out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Okay, we have nine days of the trip. Nine days out of a hundred days of calling. You're on day nine countdown to a hundred days. Absolute. So here we are. Go ahead and invite some people. Bam, bam, bam. Um, <clears throat> so thanks for joining. Much appreciated. Um, so today is about identity mandates and other failures in civil discourse. Um, I think one of the reasons why I'm kind of taking a step back and kind of hedging my bets and kind of trying to recalculate you know, the GPS of my own personal policy system is so that I don't lose what really matters. I think most people are kind of doing something similar. Let's just say your candidates won. I mean, you might be somewhat jubilant, but I don't think that, you know, electing a person has been the, the end of civil work in terms of single issue advocacy on things that are, are happening. What has been awful in the past is like, let's say you, you were okay with, you know, either party going into office because you felt like they, they had a baseline protectorate in their minds. Like this was a sacred thing. Civil liberty, first amendment, those sorts of things are sacred. Okay. They will be protected. You know, I trust, I trust that we all have each other's interest in mind. And after 2001, <clears throat> that trust began to erode because people developed these fascistic silos and they became commercial beneficiaries, uh, reliant on the government to produce wealth. So they reached more and more for the public pot of money that they coerced, so thought of as guaranteed, um, could get through an inflationary cycle. You know, it's one of the reasons why some people, even myself included, have, you know, considered going into government because it seems to, whatever the middle class could or is, is usually in that, that government sandwich. You know, they always seem to be, they're not rich, but they're okay. And, you know, if there's an attrition rate in the economy, well, they just kind of, they just adjust. They need to pay their, their employees more. There's more of a budget. They pass a budget to pay themselves, um, you know, according to, the, to what's available in the economy. The government pays itself first on the backs of the people. Which, you know, w whether you're okay with that or not okay with it, um, I hear a lot of people reaching for that, you know, mutual tax fund as a way to, to do and be in life first, rather than, you know, having, having a regular commercial direction in a capitalist styled economy. And <clears throat> so I'm thinking, I'm thinking what could be, with identity mandates as my particular, like, 
control issue, but everybody has their own control issues. And like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, if you have an elected official and say they're on your team, you know, the work that you're doing is not over. You know, civil liberties should have been a sacred place, but they didn't. And it's because people deferred to fascistic tendencies to get through recessions, periodic recessions and depressions in our economy in the past, you know, for the last 20 years. Unfortunately, some of these things have happened as a result of government actions. So it's like the government is reinforcing the idea that they are the source of the economy rather than, you know, the normal ebbs and flows of an economic you know, cycle. And we're in a bearish market right now, you know, with a lot of inflation. So people are going to start going, whoa, 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 government. Um, so we're going to, we're going to get back into that place where the government's going to be making a lot more of the economic and therefore power decisions over where you get your money. Uh, and that's a massive control issue. It makes everything harder. And it makes individual advocacy harder. It was like the, like I said yesterday on my podcast, uh, the workload is stacking up. Like it's not going down. The compensation is not as much. And, uh, to get started and stay entrenched, um, with an issue is almost sickening because you're working for, for, for nothing, for peanuts already. But this is less than nothing. And so it's it's more or less crushing uh, in its economic instability for the marketplace, but also for the person who's looking into, you know, studying a certain row of, of uh, issues that aren't, say, in the partisan platforms. And when we say partisan platforms, we're usually talking about one of the the biopoly here, we're talking about the Republican or the Democrat. And so they have ideological instabilities that have trends, even within themselves, as as much as they're more like cults or prison gangs lately than they are actual functioning parties. So with that, you know, it, again, higher, more dysfunction. You know, I should be being really high dollar amount at this point but that doesn't that doesn't usually happen um <laughs> you know if you're working on on a on an, a group of issues that would really help steady civil liberty um people lately have somehow abandoned it but we're turning the boat a little bit back towards that um i heard some some really interesting news today went to go get my tires checked at a, at a local um, tire place. And it just so happens that there was a radio promotion going on there with some political people. And the news dropped that Ron DeSantis is, is going to go head to head in in kind of a uh, with Donald Trump for the 2024 seat. Now, that is a popcorn eating event because... Ron DeSantis is proven as an executive that he is surely competent and moderate and sane in his execution of things. Do I think that his approach will work for all things at all times? No, but it's certainly trustworthy and it isn't Trump. So if you're a Republican, that's, that's kind of 
news of good confidence, but there is going to be a fight. There's going to be a fight in the Republican uh, diaspora, and there will be... It's. I think that there may be some bitterness, but they need to get over it quick because Ron DeSantis is somebody that people could get behind, and Donald Trump was somebody that divided people and would continue to say things that are divisive and incivil and would not necessarily unite the country. Joe Biden certainly isn't a uniting force behind the country. He's a he's a soul-crushing asshole who who develops policies that are unlivable for everyone. Um so, you know, whether they trot him out in a nice, you know, European suit or whatever, you know, they I don't think they're going to have a winning candidate there. Uh so they need to figure out what they're going to do. I am not on the list of short list of people that they're going to call for democratic strategy. So I'm just going to let that lie. But as far as like what I think is a winning combo at this point, if I had to pick, it would probably be a DeSantis ticket. And hands down, the guy is in the prime of his career. He's an operating governor right now with the, with the full confidence of the people who elected him. Uh, he's been mentioned before in the past. He's not going to be 80 in a couple of years. So yes, yes, and yes. All competent green lights to say go. Yes. Okay. So <clears throat> with that, you know, I have some, some qualms, you know, the, the Fox news set lately have been going identity, 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 like identity articles. And this is what happens periodically. They get into waves of, uh, insecurity where they think that identity is going to solve all of their problems. It never does. And I always go back to the border, you know, because that's my experience that I pull from whenever somebody wants to leverage more identity on me. I'm like, I just go pull from that, that place, you know, the place where there, there are two places I pull from when, with identity mandates, places where you live on foreign bases where you are not a citizen of the nation and having a, a military idea may, has been billed as, you know, the difference between life and death, being kidnapped and identified as a foreign national in another nation's state. Okay. This is not so. This is the, this is the United States of America. We have freedom to move. It is not a checkpoint state. It is not a protectorate of the United States, you know, armed forces as a base we have bases here and there are identity articles that traffic to and from and even if the dod has a lot of employees it is not the same as if you are a joe blow regular citizen non we're not even in that ecosystem that is a highly controlled system that has a lot of conditions on it that are all termed by the federal government and not just the federal government, the crushing ass arm of the Department of Defense. Okay, it, there is a difference. And one of the reasons why I did not sign up to serve is because I got dragged my entire, entire childhood. And while people have done something, you know, pat and conciliatory and told me, you know, hey, hey, thank you for your service. You know, I'm like, I'm not really sure how much of a service it was because it was more like conscription in some spaces and I was never allowed to dissent upon any 
form of policy or object to any of the of the orders that were given. That's not how it is in the military. So I just want you to know that that is where the identity mandate, some of it comes from. It comes from a hard military hand where, you know, the only the only thing, only way for me to, to guarantee your security in this moment is if you have an identity article. And that is just not true. So then there is South Texas. So I'm going to talk about South Texas. The university system and any kind of system, formal system of, of, you know, to and fro, they have been, they have been kind of egg rolled into this idea that, you know, you need to provide identity at every turn, every turn. Also universities, you know, it's in South Texas, South Texas universities are not the only universities, just universities. So, um, but it's, it's endemic to the, to the nature. They want you to peel off that, that, that social security number at, you know, at any moment, they want you to produce a student ID to get anything you need. They want you to, this is a system of indoctrination to get you to produce identity as a form of currency exchange in your economy. Okay. And that is just not true. You do not need to produce identity to get a thing in our economy. It is a lie. Okay. And it is extremely invasive to say, I am who I say I am so that I can buy a loaf of bread or get through the moment or whatever. Okay. I don't need to show that, that I am who I say I am to get books. Um, and that's one of the problems with identity mandates. They're extremely controlling. And even if you conform to them, it is never, ever enough. They will go, the identity mandate will go travel deeper and dig harder for things about you, your biometrics, you know, your, your medical history. It will never fucking end. Okay. So just be advised. Don't go for it because don't go for it because you will lose. You will lose one inch equals 10 miles. Because they don't develop policies for today. They develop policies to go deep in the future. And, you know, now we have these systems that have adopted these identity mandates. And you can see what the future looks like. They are small microcosms of what your life will be. University? Military. Go look. So... I'm hearing a lot more from the Fox set that they are, you know, oh, blah, 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 blah. voter ID. Voter ID. Voter ID. Voter ID. And, you know, voter ID is okay. In some, you know, if the, the people are, are voting it in, oh, okay, all right. You know, I'm never going to be really okay with it. But you can, you can configure, you can figure that uh that they might want ex- an expansion pack of other identity initiatives to rickroll into you know republican initiatives it's usually a republican idea that gets immediately like handoff from the democrats they're like oh well we can we can make concessions and conciliations together if we work on identity 
because it gives the state more control. You know, it seems to be like there's been a lot of parity between the two parties uh, to, to manufacture an identity mandate, you know, in some sets. Okay. For the people who, who just rolled over and said, fuck civil liberty, um, those people, these are the people who are still, you know, they're still, they're chomping on like DHS being the executor of speech online. They're okay with that now. They're just okay with it. So I want you to know that since that pool of people has kind of increased, your civil liberties are, are actually in need of more advocacy, not less. So I want to, to plead with you. It is going to take harder work from more people to, to speak to people who have been your friends, uh, because they are turning towards a convenient, you know, a convenient win that they think that they can get. A convenient get for, you know, making a Republican feel secure is voter ID. Okay. How hard is it to make a concession or a cooperation? Do you get them to the table and say, ah, you know, uh, voter ID may be okay, but if I concede with you here, what's to say that you won't take 10 miles over here with my regular identity stuff? Okay? So, as a civil libertarian, libertarian, I've never had to be okay with any of it. I've never had to, to make any concessions for any of it with libertarians in the pocket. You know, I've, I've had to argue with libertarians for being contractors and providing, you know, services in contract to the government for essentially being fascist, you know, prostitutes in the service industry, so to speak. And that, that's a crude way of, of framing it. But, you know, if you're Peter Thiel and you're walking, you know, walking around saying libertarian at the side of your neck, you know, Elon Musk is the same thing, but what they are is they're government service contractors. At the end of the day, they're just businessmen with some libertarian ideas. You know, they, they have an idea of libertarianism. Okay. And Elon Musk has executed, you know, he, he's put him, himself into a place, a position of actionable marketplace ethics by, by acquiring Twitter. We'll see how it goes. If he turns into like a, an autocrat despot at the helm of his new, new company, well, then I think you'll figure it out. It'll be really easy to figure it out. Um, but I haven't seen anything that would indicate that yet. Uh, then there is Peter Thiel who has Palantir that, that siphons everything from everywhere to into a, a, a profile dossier file that that the government will pay him for here you go peter thiel here i want the file i want the public media file on this person and then i'm i'm giving him a hell of a lot of material here at colin you know <laughs> but they already know i'm not okay with what they do so you know we've already covered that you know if i'm on a list it's on the list of people doesn't like what we do, will dissent, will put up a fight, will not concede on these issues. Ma, 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 ma. Will become politically active. 
we'll have to put an FBI noggin in the room. Blah, 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 blah. Um, <clears throat> so, while I have one person that is me, the whole of me, <laughs> uh, uh, that is here in this room speaking alone on, on behalf of, of identity mandates or, you know, other failures in civil discourse. You know, I, I want to come back to the table. I want to talk to these people about these things, but they get a very hard nose with me because they believe it's a belief and they need to be open to discourse. You know, like we need to assiduously challenge some of these assumptions that are not backed up with anything other than rhetoric, rhetoric and feelings. Okay. They're not backed up with data. They're not backed up with any kind of science. Um, and that's kind of a weird thing to do to kind of step in the room as somebody who's kind of been beat up a lot and has a lot of feelings to really, you know, put the, put the science on the table and, and say it where they can't. And they're going to, they're going to continue. They, they will beat you up. They'll tell you and they'll throw tantrums just as much as any Republican, you know, symptomatic advocate from the left. Okay. Yes, they will, because it's the same set of people who get involved in politics. You know, they're just other versions of me who, who may be more, more forceful, wear better suits, have a better, you know, exercise regime, look skinnier and look better on TV, but are just twice as much of a psychotic control issue person than I am. Okay. I'm more flexible on a lot of stuff. But those are the people that I have to deal with. And I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me every day that I stay joyful and strong because I am the only person between them and a checkpoint state. All right. When they get upset and stupid. So <clears throat> it's not fun. You know, between a house and a Senate, you know, it's going to be evenly divided. I feel more optimistic. There's, there's a room for, for optimism, but I really got to bring my A game. I got to get in there and I've got to, to be pro with nuance. I can't be sleepy or, you know, kind of fuzzy between the ears. I need your prayers. I'm, I need your money. <laughs> I'll just say it. I need money. I'm starting a new profit, nonprofit. Um, I hope. I hope somebody will listen from the sky to, to my bid for, for humane reality. Um, but I need to go in the room with help. You know, I need help. And it can't be like Glenn Greenwald, you know, let's microchip the animals help. No, no, can't be that way anymore. I need real help. I need people who believe, people who have liberty in mind and who are not going to, you know, bite my ankles over this bullshit. You know, this is this is what they're going to do to humans. I know that that's that's where they're headed because transhumanism got a big budget from the Biden administration. I know people don't want to talk about it. I know they don't want to believe it, but it's true. I saw the executive order. Don't be a dumbass. Don't believe it's not going to happen. OK, because there's going to be a government contractor going. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. I will do it. Sign me up. I have biometric contracts. Let's get it in the brains of 12 monkeys. Let's go. Let's go. That's where they're at. Okay. And while you may think I'm a, I'm a crazy moron for even wanting to get involved, being told that I'm a conspiracy theorist does not change the budget. Doesn't change the budget one damn bit. Okay. They will get money 
and you will get microchips for your brain. Okay. And you know, they just don't want any dissent. So if they can just, you know, throw me in the conspiracy theory bubble, it's not a conspiracy theory if there's a budget. Okay. And I've said this in the past and I will defend myself every stinking time because they have nowhere to go. When I roll out, here's what you paid for. Here's what the American people paid for. Okay. You didn't ask them what, how they felt about it. You just installed. Okay. Like these damn cameras that were up the street. You know, there was no government. There was no government. I mean, Austin City hasn't annexed this place. There's no, you know, the only government was over the county commissioner's office. That's it. Okay. There was no review. There was no, like, let's talk to the people that this is going to affect. It's like, no, cameras, boom. Okay. They went right in there. And that's how that happened. Through the state freeway system. But I had to figure it out later. So the representative government has holes. It has problems. And, and I want, I want people to, to help me. <laughs> I need help so bad. Um, I want people to, to answer back. I want them to, to speak back and, and to be able to empower other people, you know, to, to, to help them see what and value their liberty to kind of just fold it over and give, give their power away to some elected official. Um, without any kind of discourse is stupid. Don't do it. Don't, don't get fooled into doing this. Like, oh, we got our man in there. That's it. I can just go back to sleep now. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's a failure in civil discourse. You got to stay in the game. You got to stay sharp. You got to, you know, narrow the issues that you feel are the best and then stay on those issues. You know, get together with other people get organized, stay organized, and then, you know, recalibrate as you go along. You got to appoint some people that are going to be accountable for some leadership in your community, uh, you know, assign jobs, you know, make it a project, you know, just get in the game and stay in the game and then look for those, those deadlines and results. Okay. There are, there are opportunities for discourse that could be had that make a real difference. But if you don't get in the game and you don't publish and you don't speak out, which is a lot of work. It's a lot of work to stay on top of all of these little, little opportunities to speak in public um, that aren't on Colin. Trust me, they're not here. You know, they'll pull from here. You can use this as a resource. It can be a library for things, but it ain't the same as showing up. It ain't the same as showing up in person with documentation and research and telling them you got this wrong. So, um, <clears throat> with that, I don't have any callers. I did have, did have a docket of media to go for, but I've proven, I'm proven I could speak for like 30 minutes on this stuff in a, in a practical and profane way and um help my community and help you by helping yourself so if you have any questions for me i'm available on the mail and i'm available to uh be here for you on these issues so i i don't think i did any mandates or like a really big you know room but it's worth saying you know, these are threats. These are threats in our society that that are kind of riding right underneath the surface. <laughs> but if you don't do something about them, 
then they will they will become your life just like those cameras on the on the freeways okay unless you say something that'll be your life now austin the city of austin when the the cameras came in issue there's no there's no you know traffic cameras in the city of austin that's a win okay but on these these rural roads the states the state contractors were like that's where i can get them and it's it's evident it's evident that if there was population and traffic they wanted the the people who wanted those cameras there they they're like okay contract okay contract so the people who are monitoring identity doing the same thing they're looking for any opportunity for a glut of people and they're looking at you like cattlehead per money okay the biometrics contractors are looking at you like money and the the people who who generate the cards and the little fonts on them they're looking at yeah the barcode people they're all looking at you oh oh my god opportunity money yeah let's go bang on more republican doors we make them feel safe like don't be an idiot get in there don't be an idiot because you don't want to you don't you can't function like a university or a military base so don't let them make the decisions for you. Get in there, understand what's going on, and talk. Talk back. All right, this has been the Unsanctioned Citizen. I'm at my 30-minute mark. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Day eight. Or, or, yeah, day eight. AI and tech roundup. It's coming. It's coming. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast Archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Call-In. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.